Hey guys, this is MC from MC Anime. Today I have another special guest with me today. His name is Eric Abraham. We come from Mexico and Puerto La Vaca. Podcast Content Creation Camp 2022 and affiliation with Amplify You as like the sponsor or organizer of the trip. For little ado, tell a little bit about yourself, Eric, what you do, and overall, what you like. Hi there, I'm Eric, and yeah, I uh, work for Amplify You. I'm uh, Michelle's husband, and I edit podcasts and help that way on the Herbert for uh, business. Mm -hmm. um, and I also as a, uh, work as a mechanic on the side, is most of my time spent, uh, where I work on a lot of uh, mechanical things around our uh, lake we live on, and a lot of boats, and anything that I can fix, I work on. True. And overall, an interesting aspect that we're doing today's episode, we're going to trans we're doing transforming dreams into passions. So we're going to explore some of what Eric's, you know, potential dream that turned into a passion. Now, there's like two sides of his dream in this case. One will be his mechanical career, boats and all that fixing up, and the house that he's been in off the grid. A project that he's been raised in, family basically influencing with boats and the lake and the house together and being part of his life. Yeah, I grew up uh, uh, on my family's property on this lake, so where we live now. And uh, we've spent every every weekend, every time off going to our, our family's property and uh, I really enjoyed being there. So it was my goal or dream to you know, hopefully one day live there or spend a lot of time there. So, um, you know, yeah, working with, with my wife and having her being able to, to work remotely, we were able to move off the grid. Uh, I quit my job of 18 years and followed my passion to, you know, work with my hands and, and being outdoors. Um, that really pleases me. And, gives me the lifestyle I want where I can work when I want to. I can spend time with my kids and family when I, when I want to and gives me the options to you know, enjoy uh, every bit of life. And every bit of life, you also have the flexibility where you can take time aside for the family, take time for a little bit of Amplify You, take time for the children, take time for, you know, Michelle yeah. by yourself. And also take time with the boat mechanics as that helps you out. And then also, you know, spend some projects in the house related as well. Yeah. What about the house living off the grid have changed you in any way? Just to be more self-sufficient on, you know, making life and not uh, going out, running out to the store for one little thing you need. Every time I go to the store, it's I'm doing... Uh, five errands at once. Not as cold as some people think. Uh, mm -hmm. We hardly we get maybe snow once or twice a year. It's not like a, a 
really cold winter. It's, you know, for a few months, it's uh, lots of rain. Um, so often our house runs off hydroelectricity, so that gives me um, extra energy for the house when our solar doesn't keep up in the wintertime. Okay, okay. Do you describe yourself as nationality of Canada or nationality of the United States? I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada. But you also live in the there. States as well. No, I uh, just spent time oh, traveling okay. in the States. Did have my step grandma living in the states, so it was a uh, got to go down and visit her in Seattle, you know, once or twice a year. Okay, so you had family there. What about off the grid put you in a unique position than other people? Um, maybe just because well, it gives me I don't know in my mind in my head I guess I get more knowledge drinking water. Also having uh, water access to bathe, take shower, water the garden, wash dishes, you know, stuff like that. What about, like, what is the, what's some of the not so obvious uh, things that come to the public house versus a on the grid? Well, with uh, being off the grid, we can't run electric heaters or anything that draws, throws out any heat because it draws a lot of power. We could run a generator all the time, but it uses fuel. I'd rather use more renewable energy, where I'm not having to buy more fuel. Um, so we have a, a spring where we get all our water from that gives us the, the power, our drinking water. Um, so most of our heat comes from wood, uh, from a wood stove. So that's a part of part of living there is I have to have wood to, to burn be able to heat the house and keep everybody warm so it's uh, always well, uh, a task to like keep... a natural thing in the winter time in Canada to have a wood stove anyway some people yeah um, more and more people it's you can't get wood right so um, we have we have lots of properties a very narrow chunk what is the temperate rainforest like uh, well behind our cabin is very lush it's very uh, it's very old growth forest it's very hard to walk in because it's not open it's all uh, dead like fallen trees that have fallen down or there's a lot of moss so you don't really know what you're walking on you fall in a lot of holes when you're walking around mm -hmm. um, but it's very lush and um, I don't know I, I love being up in the forest there it's it's like a happy place to go you know almost just sit and take it in okay okay and what was the transition like to go off grid originally? Like, what was the first obstacle that you had to go through? Um, well, we take our both of our kids across in the boat. Um, so we put our nice boats away for the winter. So we're stuck with a little uh, little mm -hmm. uh, cart hopper or a, a aluminum boat uh, for the first year. So uh, it was a little cold going across in the boat with the with the wind and the rain. So. I don't mind it so much, but the, the wife and the kids don't like it so much. So, so uh, first test was to get a better boat for the winter that had a windshield and a roof. So that was one obstacle we had to overcome. And and then uh, some parts of the parts of the year it's foggy, so I had to you had to learn how to navigate in the fog when you can't see anything in front of you. So you have to either rely on a GPS or or I just use a compass. So I 
No, I'm going straight in the boat because otherwise you can go around in circles. True. What was the first epiphany moment that you felt when considering living off grid? Like what? The like, epiphany moment is that I want to live off grid. Uh, well, for us, it was, well, it's more, we didn't really have the choice of living off, off the grid. We, mm -hmm. uh, our place, there's no road access, there's no way to get a road in. So it wasn't really a choice, it's just how I grew up living at that property. So it, it became second nature to me. And so I, the budge, what was that process like? Um, it was just getting enough lumber, pulling, because mm -hmm. we didn't have a machine, you had to hand along or use a winch to basically pull the trees around uh, and then we had a chainsaw mill at the time to, to mill the lumber uh, and then we had to design it big enough basically to hold a uh, uh, bobcat hmm. okay so when you're choosing to live off the grid for became a reality what, what was the accomplishment that you felt well growing when I started, but then it just got too big and I just became a number employee. So they, they didn't really look at me after 18 years. I didn't get the respect I felt like I should have had. Okay. You know, a lot of jobs we have, the company gets too belated. Like we're not really appreciated the statistic at the job. You know, you, you're there, but you also have a disconnect. Yeah. And that disconnect, that, I guess, motivated you to do something else? Uh, well, what really motivated us is we had a flood in our house. Oh, okay. Cool. So that was a huge motivation to our, uh, our place got brand new floors and paint on the walls with insurance. And they basically covered everything and, and our house looked brand new or all ready to, to sell. So we just listed it. And it, it was the universe telling us in a way that it was time to pick up and move. And uh, with Michelle running, having her own business on, you know, online, um, I felt like we had enough background to, to fall back on that, basically. And so a natural, basically we call natural intervention. Yeah. <laughs> You're living by nature and nature chooses you to live in nature. Yeah, there you go. What do you think of that philosophy? That's, that sounds right. That sounds good. Okay. So, love of nature that's been ever present in your life since you ever grew up in the property. Was there moments where the other house that didn't really have that nature feel and you missed it? Um, the other place we lived in was up in the trees and up, up mm. on a mountain, so it was still kind of a nice feeling. But, but the, it still was not, not what the lake was. Not what the lake was. No. Uh, obviously, being across the lake, it's a lot quieter. You don't have the noise from the city and the, the busyness and having for me it's even having to go go and do things like uh, the convenience of just hopping in your car and driving you know to visit family or friends it's nice to have that isolation at times sometimes it's nice to have a lot of family and friends there so it's nice to have a, a balance of it about nighttime you have been some stargazing yes, because the light pollution is not very heavy there's no, yeah, the stars are bright. You can go out there any night unless there's clouds. And, um, you know, a lot of people come up and they've never seen stars that bright because there's no light uh, from the city or 
Okay. So we talked a little bit about, you know, how the living off the grid came to fruition. That dream working with your hands, building the house, becoming the passion of the house you live in is a good transformation. How about the boat slash mechanical side? Where did that come in play? Well, just being a, um, being raised with, with my dad being a, a technician uh, for photo labs, he, uh, he was always very technical. So he, he would be the one fixing everything and I'd be learning from him. Um, I started when I was 12, uh, rebuilding harps for outboards uh, when I was up there for the summer, you know, off school. So I like to tinker and take things apart and put things back together. So I just kept going with that. Um, but be, just being uh, a forklift mechanic for 18 years, I got thrown into whatever job the, I'd get sent to uh, from dispatch and I'd have to figure it out and uh, get, get it up and running for the customers so they weren't down in the machine. Um, so it was very easy to start working on boats because it was, everything was mechanical and everything to me works the same. Um, so the transition was really easy. Um, working on our own boats for, for years, um, I had some knowledge of that, but uh, it came really easy for me. Okay, so the prior experience failing clutch, and as a result, it served to push you forward in a new avenue that did not take too much uh, difficulty to, to adapt to. Yeah. And switching to that new career of mechanical opposed to forklifts, to with boats and work with your hands more, what liberties have been opened up for you? Um, well, being around, being available at the lake, I, uh, obviously lots of people have a hard time uh, hiring people that they, they can get in. So they, they've, a lot of people have known me for years there, so all my life. So it's very easy to people ask me to take on other, other jobs or other challenges that they have. So, um, which is always also fun just to keep being challenged and people want something done and. I, I love the challenge of figuring it out and making it happen for them. Has there ever been an interesting challenge that you had no idea how to fix and you just somehow fixed it? Always. There's a lot of times I get people phoning me on the phone trying to figure it out and without me being there and having the ear and the eyes and the, the feeling, you, you can't help people sometimes over the phone. I have to, you can give them all the theory you want and this is, should happen like this. and. And it's more, uh, you just, you have that, that skill or not. So there's been a lot of challenges and boats that really challenge you and uh, you have to figure it out, uh, you know, and uh, so there's been some challenges of some problems and uh, most of the time, I most all the time I get, get the boat up and running and figure out what's wrong with it. Very seldom I have uh, jobs I have to pass off and what was the most difficult boat that took the longest time to fix? Um, well, one one in particular is is uh, one of my friend's boats that basically uh, he told me he he did uh, he rebuilt the carbs. So I was looking at other problems because it it wouldn't go full speed. It would only go two thousand RPM instead of you know uh, six. Mm -hmm. So it would only go half speed, say. And um, he swore up and down, he cleaned the carbs and 
I checked everything. I uh, looked into everything and I, I'm like, nothing's, I can't find a problem basically. So I resorted to or to what I needed to and uh, found out that there was something clean the carbs, but there's something plugged in the carb, like a piece of rag that stopped it from getting gas. So he cleaned it, but he probably created a problem by cleaning it. So of course it just, I had to go back to the start instead of relying on people. So I'd say one thing is people hire me and say, I want X, I want this done. But it's not exactly it, that simple. They didn't give me the whole thing and they, sure, I can rebuild the carbs for you, but that doesn't fix the problem, say. So then I have to go back and, and go back to square one and say, okay, we're, you know, this is what it actually needed. But they thought they knew what was wrong and, and it's, you know, somewhere to start, but it wasn't the real root cause. That's, a, that's the problem with boats. A boat is a machine. Yeah. It's mechanical. You're not going to know the boat in and out if you're just a customer. Yeah. If you don't fix the boat on a regular basis, you're not going to notice a simple thing as a rag being stuck in the carbs. Yeah. Being stuck in the frame that's like literally slowing everything down. Because yeah. it got in the way. It's, you know, it, you know, what's that process like? It stops the rag so the carbs are not getting into the direction they need to work at the optimal They're getting gas flow, say, right? So it's not getting enough gas to feed the engine. Uh, and it, it, this boat had three carburetors, so two of them were working, but one wasn't. So it would idle and run night really nice at idle, but then you mm. just didn't have the power. Work. So eventually, if this wasn't fixed, it would have the one of the carbonators would might have just kapoo. No, it just it, it runs the one cylinder's not getting gas, oh. and if it this boat was a two-stroke, uh, you're not getting oil mix into the cylinder. So it would have would have caused it would burn out the engine. Yeah, it'd burn out a cylinder if somebody just kept running on it. Which they, you know, they took it out of its mission because they couldn't pick up the problem because it was a rag in the way. Well, it is, yeah, a little piece of lint basically from the rag. And because it's just a tiny little hole in carburetors. So that's crazy that just one little thing can mess up one big thing and just make it like look new and one's just gone. Well, the other biggest thing that people have problems with boats is, is water in the gas with uh, ethanol fuels, mm -hmm. it attracts water with the alcohol. Oh, because water is like uh, polo? It, they are attracted to that molecule? It's just, yeah, it's, it's um, it just, the, the mo there's so much moisture in the lake, right? Mm -hmm. Or in the ocean that you, it, it, when it sits, it, the alcohol attracts that water. Um, yeah. It's so like a, you want to use yeah. ethanol-free fuel if you can. That's why they have boat gas. Uh, at the boat docks for for boats, um, you can also add additives that help. But that's one of the biggest problems I, or one of the things I educate a lot of people with, is buy the proper gas or especially store it with the proper stabilizer or mm -hmm. stuff to keep it from attracting that. So basically, I wish boats would run on water because that mm -hmm. would be a lot cheaper and a lot more yeah, fun. Yeah, true, true. One day, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So where I'm getting it. Boat maintenance is actually somewhat more lucrative than car maintenance, yeah. In a way, because you have 
people only know how to make Harley Potter. There's plenty of people that are not. But boat maids is very specialized because there's not as much boat owners. Yeah, there's not as many boat owners. And then also, uh, you can't really take your boat into a dealership all the time. That's because there's not as many dealerships in, in a lot of the lake properties or lake country, right? Mm -hmm. So one nice thing I, I usually, I mobile, uh, I don't drive a car, I drive a boat around the lake. So I put more gas in my boat than I do in my car. <laughs> Which is what's a funny that? concept, right? I know. So what's that like? Well, it's it's great because the you know in one way gas gets delivered to me. Yeah. Um, because I order the boat gas and I have uh, tanks to store it, uh, which I have to barge across the lake. So this year I, uh, I made a trailer and put two tidy tanks on top to so I can have my own fuels and save gas runs to the gas well to the gas station. So. Oh, okay. Um, which doesn't sell boat gas normally. So, so yeah. And with, uh, say, you know, boat regulation, what are some of like, some things you had to take into consideration to own a boat? Uh, well, you want a boat that's well suited for you, I'd say is you want, you know, something that fits your, what you want in a boat, um, you want something you know, you want to fish in a boat, you want to entertain or use it for sports. So um, it's just what your means, uh, you don't want to go out and buy the biggest boat you can because it's going to need more maintenance than a smaller boat, say. So uh, it's always better to start off with a smaller boat, you know, it depends what you're doing with it. It's in that eye, I don't know, to, it depends what your needs are, so. Um, so what's your favorite type of boat? I like all boats. Uh, I know you like the, all, all boats. Obviously, like, the faster the better. Your, like, what is like the optimal engine speed, the knots, the size that you like? Um. Well, one thing to think about is is a lot of people. If you have to tow a boat, you want a boat that's small enough that you can tow behind a, a, a normal vehicle instead of having a huge truck to tow a boat. Uh, so a lot of people, you got to think about that, unless you have a big rig to tow a boat around or you have a marina you can store it at. Uh, a lot of, you know, bigger lakes have needs, you know, you need the bigger boats to uh, to get around because it's rougher. We, have, we live on a pretty small lake, so we don't really need really fast boats because you can't get them up to speed, uh, even though it's really calm. So, I mean, it, and then if you have a sea dew or a jet ski, I, I, I enjoy getting wet in the jet ski, it's more challenging, but but then it's not really good for uh, going to get groceries. So I mean, it could be. You just have a little box and put the groceries in. Yeah, yeah, in the summer, it's, but if you don't want to get wet, you know. What's wrong with getting wet? That's the good thing. Well, in the summertime. In the summertime, it's fine. It's, it's in the off season when it's cold <laughs> and you don't want to get wet, but yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it really depends uh, a nice you know to go back to your question i guess is more my my favorite boat is we just got a new pontoon boat and it's the nice thing is it it's very well versed for a lot of different things uh, from water sports to just cruising to lounging in the in, out in the water um, but then because we're boat, boat access we need to get supplies there so we can it holds a lot more gear than a smaller boat mm. so there's a lot more deck space it's more open 
so you can get more supplies in at one load instead of taking multiple loads or or using my barge that takes about you know 20 minutes to half an hour to get across what are people's thoughts when they hear you only on a lake that you live off the grid well everybody thinks in one way we're crazy but then a lot of people are like i i always wanted to do that or a lot of people's dreams are to live on the lake uh, and have that you know remoteness but obviously being off the grid is another challenge on top of it so a lot yeah of people have, we have to be adaptable a lot of people have roads and can get in there so that's a little nicer but then you have to worry about break-ins you know because people can uh where, where we are it's seasonal so a lot of people aren't there in the winter so there's a lot of people that go around stealing things at times so your lake you have to be very careful on people near the island uh well you can have i mean there's people we've had in the past people go around because nobody's around now that we live there full-time there's you know I, we don't have as many problems because i'm around maybe or these people aren't around anymore they're in jail they do, are doing all these petty theft um but yeah, they go around steel generators, uh, guns, whatever they can find laying around cabins because they have all the time in the world because nobody's around. Mm, true. What's the uh, impact with family? What do they think about it? Um, my kids really enjoy it. Um, at times, my uh, at times my son wishes he had you know uh, kids living right next door to us, which we do in the summer. But that's usually weekends in the summer when there's a lot more families and people are up for the summer. Um, over the over the years, there's a few. There's another kid that moved in the area, so he he's a quick. He's basically across the lake, but he's on the road side, so he can come home on the school bus and get go there to play after school. So as as my kids get older, it might be a bit more challenging when they have to come and go on their own, or um, you know they start driving and well I mean wouldn't you get the boat before they get a car yeah my son has a boat already and he's 10 and what does he use the boat for um well this year he started um going to the local we have a, a public beach on the mm. on the lake so this year he started um he wanted to do a summer job and he decided that we're he was gonna go and sell pop and chips at the beach so he him and his friend we bought pop and chips and they went over and sat at the beach selling selling some product. So let me get this straight. Your son's already take advantage of the fact that he's on water and doing a business in the environment that he's in? Yeah. What does that speak to you? Does it make you proud? Oh, that's great, yeah. There was a moment that you want to get involved to be a business partner or you just want to leave him be? Well, I can guide him as much as I can, but in one way they got to learn right True. they don't listen so <laughs> they don't listen they don't listen right you, you can tell them 10 times about the same thing but of course uh they got to learn from themselves well, some of the really. things on the lake that they don't listen to they keep telling them well not just around the lake it's just you know yeah. don't, don't stick your finger in there right yeah don't you know don't you know certain things it's it's just uh they, they just want to they got to figure it out for themselves okay so the son's on the beach. I have a daughter. What does she do? Um, she loves to swim. 
Um, she loves to um, do a lot more sort of uh, gymnastics or um, zip lining and trampoline. And uh, she's not really into driving the boat by herself yet or uh, because she's only seven. So she's getting there, but um, she loves just being with the family and with my uh, family that comes up quite a bit. And, um, she keeps busy doing um, different artwork and crafts, so. Okay, okay. So you have a thought about building a zip line on the property? We have multiple zip lines. Yeah. And of course that took a learning curve because I, I, I started when I was uh, probably like 13 or 14 learning physics uh, hands-on with uh, how, how steep you can make a zip line and how much speed you can pick <laughs> up. And I learned the hard way, uh, you know, when you don't have a break at the end, how far you can fly off of it. Oh my God, <laughs> did you hurt yourself? I knocked the window to myself. Well, at least the window didn't break, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least I didn't break anything. How about a zip line course? You got that advance yet? Yeah, there we go. No, it's, uh, we, we, of course, we didn't have zipline kits or that you could buy like you can on Amazon now or in these stores. True. So I had to take what we had and made a zipline with a with a steel cable that we used for pulling trees or pulling uh, logs around with our machine. So I used that and then strung it across some trees and we had a pulley, a snatch block that we used for for pulling the cable. So because we learned that you, when you pull a tree. The tree is usually too tall for, than the cable is, so the tree falls down on the machine. So we had to, um, you know, put a snatch block to a stump, so you're pulling the tree at different angles, so, so the tree doesn't fall on the machine. So all, I learned all this stuff at a, you know, hands-on at a younger how age. Does, how long does a tree hold a zip line? That's the question too. Well, for it depends how big the tree is. Well, if you're a big it, tree that you had the zip line, you, you want to pick a tree that's suitable. <laughs> How long do you think it's going to last? Oh, the, it'll last for years. It's, I think the cable will fail before and the hardware will fail before oh, okay. the tree does. Do you ever coat the cables, make sure they don't get rusted? Mm, it'll, sl it, it'll slow the zip line down. If you oh, it, right? okay. So you just replace the cable and call it a day. Yeah. Keep all the hardware on it and then keep, keep going. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, you could use a rope, I guess, but there's a lot more stretch in a rope. Well, yeah, because well, the, the cable is metal. Yeah. It has metal fibers holding it all together. Yeah. The rope, the fibers are literally, you can literally cut Strands. it with a knife. Yeah. So it will only last, especially with the UV light too, it'll break down over time. Well, yeah, because of the weather. And then it's probably not as fast, so. Yeah, and steel is one of those most versatile metals that can be in the wilderness. Especially stainless. Oh, stainless is even worse. Because it actually stays even longer. It, it's longer, but then it, it can, it's softer. True, but it's also more like uh, uh, malleable. Yeah. You can change the different shapes. Yeah. So stainless steel actually is not that bad. Yeah. So when it became your passion to fix boats, left off the grid, what was a, like a really good moment that, like, uh, as everything, this is a good choice for you. When I, I don't know, when I saw my kids enjoying being up there, um, you know, the family's happy. Uh, the, my wife, you know, is happy, you know, being there and just seeing the joy and the, uh, 
having that that extra family time versus uh, sitting and sitting in my work van, you know, commuting to work every day, not where I'm sitting with family or spending time bonding with my kids. So I mean, every day I, I enjoy being there and uh, you know just living living life to the fullest instead of working nine to five. Mm-hmm. Have you ever put in the thought that you? If one of you didn't have a remote job, this would not be possible. Yeah, I think, well, I think if I had to go to work um, away from there, I don't. I think it'd be a little harder because I'd be leaving my, you know, my wife to figure out uh, how to how to work things at the lake and or at our house. And um, you know, sometimes you have to figure, you know know where our batteries are, and you know if the batteries are getting low, we have to run the generator. So. Um, so it's harder to maintain. It takes a little bit of effort. So, but yeah, if I had to go to work every day, I don't know if it would be the right fit. You know? yeah, sure. So, have you found a friend who's also off the grid and does boats? Yeah. Or one of the two? Yeah, I have another guy that came to or that quit his job this year, working for the school district, mm-hmm. and um, basically started working with me to work on boats because during the summer it gets very busy I'm only one person so he saw the opportunity he was a car mechanic um, for 25 years and then he, he moved to, uh, to BC um, from, from Alberta which is the next province over from us so he, he was already there but he uh, he worked for the school district which is mostly a job that you retire at and he just was the same thing he wasn't happy there there's too much politics, too much headache, uh, dealing with people. Um, that he was happier uh, dropping that and, and going on his own because he wanted the same thing as I had. He saw uh, the happiness and the flexibility and the you know the joy, and he wanted to have more time with his kids and family. Yeah, you do right. bring up a good point. Career satisfaction is all what we need in a job. Yeah. My mom did the same thing. She was she was a teacher. The politics, the standardized testing, she didn't like it. She she went out of it fixing selling bicycles, running a business off of flea markets for years. So my mentality, I gotta travel with flea markets. Yeah. Just like how your son got used to the boat lifestyle yeah. and the lake this one like overlapping parallel is how your life is defined in, in your surroundings yeah. and how that life can be observed through the lens of others people perceive it but you don't care you're living the best life you can at the moment you can yeah is there any like people like opposition you just push away because you just they don't understand you. Any opposition for just, and just kind of, your lifestyle? Um, no, I think most people, you know, in a way, dream or think they could they could do it. But some people can't can't do it. But I think it's everybody's passionate to passion to to like have the freedom and to do what they want and enjoy what they're doing. Um, you know, it's it's. Um, what is it, the way they put it is uh, I can't remember the quote, but it's like you know, it's if you simplify your life, you don't need 
the money, um, you know, to, to deal with that, right? It's yeah, like, if you simplify your life, you don't need the money that comes from being with lots of money. You yeah. can just downsize and subsistence. It's yeah. like live off the land, live on what you need to be on. And then you can have a financial savings after the fact. Because sometimes, I mean, that's what you save money. And the extra money you don't put out, it's going to be for something else. Yeah. You ever found money that you save actually makes you able to travel more? Of course. How often do you travel? Uh, well, lately it hasn't been too much with the, obviously with the pandemic. Uh, with traveling, it's been a scare to not travel in a way. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we have the freedom to, to, you know, pick up and go when we want to. So that's why we're here right now in Mexico. Exactly. So, but I also usually are very busy in the summer. So it's times when I don't want to travel, but then I have the freedom to choose when I, oh, when I want to go, you know, surfing all day in the boat and push off a job and work on a Sunday or on a weekend and, you know, have it, yeah, in some aspects. Yeah. Although, you know, and they may need some fine tuning, but it's adjustable. And they get to do what they like to do, or, you know, they don't want to force things on them. Yeah, true. Uh, you just, I, I love dirt biking. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a dirt bike sitting there for my son that he's had for three years, and he just hasn't had, didn't, you know, want to, want to do it. So I don't want to force him. I want him to ride it when he's ready. He, he, was on a dirt bike when he was two years old with me. Uh, so um, I just waited till he was at the right time that he wanted to drive it himself. So he just just started driving it uh, on his own. So which is mm. it, which is nice to me because now you know I'm, my wish is to go be able to go dirt biking with him and go up you know go for a ride with him riding his own bike. So he used to ride with me on the on the bike and on my ATV all the time. Mm. So they're just, they get too big to be going with me, <laughs> right? True. And now we have a side-by-side, -side, so it also, you know, now they have a seat or that, so they don't have to drive it, so, uh, so if, if but, I was on But, if they go with you enough, they, they might push that passion a little bit more, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to force it, but I want it to come natural and not, you know. You know, this also brings up another point. You've been surrounded with the muscle outdoor for so long that without it, you feel like you don't have a purpose. Yeah. How would, you know, if you went to the city, what is the one thing that would just drive you insane? Well, the second I get off, uh, off of the ferry that we have to take uh, to get to the Sunshine Coast where we live, mm. it's, a, it's a little, uh, it's, you're instantly in traffic and instantly you know, the, the blood pressure rises because you're sitting in, in, in traffic and that's one reason we kind of got out of a, a busy city because you're commuting and sitting in traffic a lot. So uh, that's one thing I don't look forward to. Um, yeah. Okay. Is there anything you want the audience to take from following, you know, transforming dreams into passions and having the dream becoming such passion. Well, everybody, yeah, you got to listen to your gut and, and uh, know what you want to do, I guess, and take it to 
you know, I don't know, you got to be happy with what you do. You don't want to be stuck in a job that, you know, doesn't make you happy and a lifestyle that's not healthy for you. Um, I was, you know, I grew up raised to, to work a nine to five um, in a job. So that's what I was, you know, that's what I thought I had to do. And, you know, being with Michelle made, made me think differently too, for that reason. Do more stuff uh, on your own. Okay. Because the line web dream becomes passion. You have the, the aspiration to have a dream. Yeah. When it becomes passion is when you do the hard work to achieve it or by miracle it happens. Because sometimes there is no hard work, it just, just happens. It just happens or it just comes naturally, right? Yeah, it, it's a natural occurrence in your lifestyle to change a dream you had for a kid, be it passion or adult. And there is always launching new careers just at the moment's notice. 20 plus years in the business and you want to go something else. That's not uncommon to hear. Yeah. And you know, job satisfaction is very important in, you know, potential dreams. Let's say job satisfaction was put off. They didn't fall. No, they find what they're passionate about and what they, what they want to do. So you're an advocate for this. I'm not sure. You want to start a business being an advocate for people's dreams? No. <laughs> I'm going to stick with what I know. <laughs> exactly. Stick yeah. to what you know and only stick to the things that you've been taught. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this concludes this particular episode of Transforming Dreams into Passions. I thank you for Eric for being here. He was a little, you know, unsure how to do it. Yeah. But I guided him into what he knows best, his subject. That is his story. So if you really like it, please listen to the episode more. Listen to it again. Have some inspiration for a career that you might like. For a dream. There's another career. For a dream to become reality, to become a passion, it's all you need to be satisfied and happy. And with that, let's come to a close. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And, you know, this concludes this episode. You can find us on podcasts near you. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Heart Radio. We also on www.mcamepodcast.com. Again, that's www.mcamepodcast.com. And we're on Patreon as well extra content and more on that platform where you can support us and do more in the coming episodes of the NCMA podcast. Thank you and enjoy.